the plants have blocked me from my spot. But I will persevere. Happy Easter, everyone. So good to see all of you this morning. Uh, just a couple of announcements before we get underway with our worship service today. They are educational in nature. Uh, there is one week left of my uh, Sunday school class on the pastor's bookshelf. Uh, that happens at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings upstairs on the third floor. There's also a podcast version of that on the One Prez Pod, uh, which Rebecca Martin and I are doing together, so you can check that out. Uh, Tasha will be beginning uh, her Wednesday class at the Bakery District at 10 o'clock. Uh, called Presby what, right? <laughs> so we'll be talking about what it means to be Presbyterian. Uh, week one is committee meetings. Week two is congregational meetings. Uh, week three is the Book of Order. So it'll be great. We'll get to Robert's Rules of Order sometime in June. So much fun. We encourage you to check that out. Wednesdays at 10 at the Bakery District. With all that in mind, let us prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God.
Our call to worship is simple and straightforward and gets to the core of our faith. Christ is risen. risen You can do even better than that. Christ is risen. Let's sing.
on this Resurrection Day, we well remember that Christ can sympathize with our every weakness. He knows everyone because he has walked where we have walked. And so it is with boldness that we can confess before him and before one another. Please join me in our call to confess in our confession. It is printed in your bulletin and on your screen. Let us pray. Almighty God, through the rising of your Son from the grave, you broke the power of death and condemned death itself to die. Help us to confess what in our lives must die. Destructive relationships, tired habits, greedy accumulation, the temptation to take the easy road. Forgive us, we pray. Resurrect in our lives the faith, hope, and love that Jesus offers. In his holy name we pray, amen. On this Easter Sunday, hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The scriptures are certain of this, that Christ came into this world to give his life for sinners. Christ came into this world for you and for me. Know through his power and grace and his work in your life that you are forgiven of your sin and he now calls you to be people of peace. Let's sing to God's glory. There, how's that? You knew what to do anyway. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before our scripture reading this morning, why don't we make sure that we retain our Easter spirit. Christ is risen. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. We'll see how you're doing at the end of the sermon. <laughs> so our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew. It's chapter 28. It is verses 1 through 10. And I invite you now to listen for God's word to us today. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb and suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, 
And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when you write your sermon without consulting the weather forecast, it begins with this sentence. Happy Easter. Isn't it a lovely morning? (laughs) So we will pretend it is a lovely weather morning, but it is lovely in here. It is lovely for all of us to be together, and it is lovely, as always, to be together on Easter Sunday as our Lenten journey culminates. It started way back on Ash Wednesday. Harken your minds back. It was cold. It was dark. And now here we are on Easter Sunday. And to get to this particular spot, we had quite a week of worship services behind us. We had Palm Sunday. We had Maundy Thursday. We had Good Friday. And now we have Easter Sunday. So all of this has led up to this particular day. All of those special kind of Christian liturgical worship services have gotten us here. But I don't want to talk about any of those just yet because I want to go to the day when nothing happens. I want to talk about Saturday. Now, some churches do stuff on Saturdays. They'll have an Easter vigil or whatnot, but most churches don't do anything on Saturdays during Holy Week. And it has a special name, even Saturday does. Does anybody know what the special name is? Silent Saturday. It is Silent Saturday, which makes me think everybody would want to go to church on Silent Saturday. You don't have to sit through a sermon on Silent Saturday. But Silent Saturday it is. It is called Silent Saturday. But I want to think about what it was like on the Saturday prior to Easter Sunday. So let's set the tone, shall we? We don't hear a lot about that day, about Saturday before Easter. What we do hear about is we hear that things have not gone well over the course of Holy Week for Jesus' disciples. We know the emotional roller coaster that they must have ridden during the course of that week. It starts with Palm Sunday and Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Crowds have thronged the road. They're throwing palm leaves down on the ground. They're laying their coats out before him. He is riding in triumphal procession into the city of Jerusalem. How must have his disciples have felt? Yes. Spectacular. Great. We have made it. This is going to be incredible. But then by the end of the week, By the end of the week, we know things have changed for them, right? Jesus has been betrayed by one of their own number. Jesus has been handed over to the high priest and to the authorities. Jesus has been falsely accused and convicted of treason and heresy, and he has been killed by the Roman authorities. And so by the time we arrive at Silent Saturday, things are looking pretty bleak. Do you wonder, like, what was running through their minds on that Saturday? Like, finish this sentence. I really hope, right? 
It's that Saturday. I really hope, I really hope I can get out of this city without getting arrested. I really hope I can get my old job back. I really hope, I really hope my family will take me back into the house. I really hope. One of the things that Saturday teaches us, I think, is largely about the nature of what our hopes are like. So yesterday, on your Saturday, what were you thinking about today? I am sure that consciously or subconsciously, you had numerous sentences that began like theirs did. I really hope. Like, I really hope I feel better in the morning. I really hope the sermon isn't too long. I really hope that lunch with my family goes well. I really hope I remember to wake up in time for church. There were hopes that were small and there were hopes that were large that you had for today. But one of the things we learn about hope in our lives as human beings is that our hopes are tied to one thing in particular. Our hopes are tied to our circumstances. It's what's going on in our lives that gives structure to our hopes most of the time, isn't it? Whatever challenges we might face, whatever worries we might have, whatever fears or anxieties we might harbor, these are the things that give shape to most of our hopes. How we finish that sentence, I really hope, is shaped in just the same way as theirs was. It is shaped by what's happening in our lives. But here's what we need to think about now that we've actually arrived on Easter. Easter has something very different to say to us about our hopes. Easter has something very different indeed to say to us about our hopes. That's what ultimately this day is all about. It's about changing our expectations for what's going to happen next in our lives and in the world. It's about changing that sentence, I really hope. Easter Sunday has a lot to say to us about the nature of what it means for those of us who follow Jesus to say that we hope for something. We can only really understand the idea of hope after we think about today, after we think about Easter Sunday. I think the best thing the best thing that was written about hope in the entire Bible was written after today. It was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it down in the book of Romans. Now, he's a little wordy, that Apostle Paul, but his point here, it always sticks with me, and it's about today. And here's what he said. We are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen. We hope for what is not seen, and we wait for it with patience. Who hopes for what is seen? Well, we do all the time. But this day tells us to look for something different. 
Think about those disciples on Silent Saturday for a moment. Think about those guys. Think about them up in their room, cloistered together, hiding, afraid, worried about what would happen next. They were thinking all those things we've already said. I really hope this. I really hope that. I really hope this will happen. Did any of them, did any one of them say, I really hope that when the women go to the tomb, Jesus will have risen? We can be almost certain that they did not. For you and me, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what do we hope for? What are we hoping for? What are we doing here? Are we hoping that we'll just feel better tomorrow? Are we hoping that this problem will be solved or that worry will go away? Or are we hoping for something that we've not seen before? What are we hoping for? We're hoping for salvation. We're hoping for redemption. We're not just hoping for an end to a war. We are hoping for an end to all wars. We're not just hoping for an end to one person's suffering. We are hoping for an end to all suffering. We are not just hoping that one person will escape from poverty and misery. We're hoping that all will escape from poverty and misery. We're not hoping that one group of people will finally get along with another group of people. We are hoping that all people will live in peace. Let me ask you this. Have you seen any of those things before? The reason we can hope for those things, the reason we can look out into the future across the horizon of tomorrow, the reason that we can hope for those things with belief, with expectation, with patience, as Paul tells us to do, the reason we can hope for those things is because of today. It is because of today. It is because today something that no one could have hoped for happened. Jesus was beaten down by the forces of this world, and he rose again from the dead. And he did it so that he might walk the path ahead for each and every one of us, and the promises that we find in the empty tomb, those form the very source of our hope as his followers. We hope for what we do not see. Now, I don't want you to confuse what I'm trying to say here. Our worries, our fears, our sufferings, these are not irrelevant. They are not meaningless. They are not things that we should feel guilty for offering to God. But they also should never be the sum total of our hope, nor should they be the sum total of who we consider ourselves to be. When we think about what it means to wake up on any given morning, when we think about what it means for us to wake up tomorrow, it doesn't just mean that we hope we'll feel better, we hope a problem will be solved, we hope something we're worried about will go okay. It means that we wake up every single morning with the expectations of this day with us. We wake up every single morning hoping to see something we have not seen, 
because we know, we know that one day we will. We know that one day we will wake up to a world that is marked fully by grace and by love and by joy. We know that we will wake up to a world that basks fully in the presence of the God who created it. We know that we will wake up one morning to a world that has been made new, in which all things have been made new. We know this because of today. So when you think that sentence again, the next time it comes into your mind and you think to yourself, I really hope I feel better tomorrow. I really hope tomorrow goes well. Remember that we're not called to hope just for that. We are called to hope for what we have never seen and we do so in the knowledge that one morning one morning just like this morning, it shall arrive. Amen. scriptures tell us that it was on the evening of that first Easter that confused and grieving disciples recognized a stranger in their midst as Jesus. And the reason they recognized that this stranger was Jesus was when he broke the bread. When he broke the bread, scripture tells us, that's when their eyes were opened. So as we come to this table, may our eyes also be opened to Jesus' presence here among us. Let us pray. Gracious God, by your power, Jesus broke free from the prison of the tomb. At his command, even the gates of hell cannot stand. We worship you this day for the one who was dead now lives. In this meal, make new creations in us. As you make holy these ordinary elements of bread and cup, do the same with our ordinary lives. Make us Easter people, Lord. Make us holy. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. It was during this week, this week that leads to today, that Jesus instituted this meal. We know that he sat at a table with his disciples, and there was bread on the table. He took it, he thanked God for it, and then before their eyes, he broke it. He gave it to them and said, take, eat. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after they had eaten, he took the cup. He said, this cup represents a new covenant. And this covenant is sealed in my own blood. Take, 
drink, and remember me. We are told that at that first Last Supper, the disciples had no idea what Jesus was doing. It was only after Easter that they realized. And so they remembered. And they took the cup. They took the bread. They remembered him. And so do we. This is not a Presbyterian table. This is the table of Jesus Christ. And all who love him are welcome here. Servers will be coming forward, taking plates, and then passing the elements to you in your pews. If you would please, when you receive the bread, hold it, and we will eat it together. Later, when you receive the cup, hold it. We will drink together. Would the servers please come forward, for all is ready.
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will never be hungry.
Jesus said, I am the true vine. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Let us pray. Eternal God, we praise you that you have brought us into this day of resurrection. We rejoice that the grave could not hold your son, that he has conquered death, and that he rules over all powers of this earth. We praise you that he calls each of us into new life to follow him into tomorrow with joy and gladness. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray, great God, that you would lift us this day. Lift us from our own doubt and despair. Lift those whose concerns are heavy on our hearts. Lift those whom we name before you now, both aloud and in the silence of our hearts. May our lives be signs of the love and power of Jesus, God. May we live as resurrection people, even as we look toward the new heaven and the new earth. May all praise, glory, and thanksgiving be to you this day, as we pray in your name and as your risen Son has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, we do not pass offering plates. There is a basket here if you would like to give an offering. There are also kiosks at the entrances. This music is an offering to the glory of God.
invite you to be seated for the blessing and the postlude. Let's check our Easter mood. Christ is risen. He is risen. Oh, very good. And now, my friends, may the grace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once more into these doors. Amen. <laughs>